Hey, this is Marcia Reiner. I am uh, the host of Profit with a Plan podcast, and I have a super treat for you today. I have Cherie Prince with us on, and we're going to talk about blending your personal and your business assets so you can protect them. What better way to run your business to know that you're safe from for asset protection on today's Profit with a Plan podcast? Hey, entrepreneurs, are you trying to make bigger profits in your small business? If you're like most of us business owners, increasing your profitability is always on your mind, and you're probably looking for ways to grow your revenue while growing your company. Well, you found a podcast that helps you share or helps share ideas to help you do just that. I'm Marcia Reiner, known as the Profit Booster and a business growth strategist. I've helped tons of small business owners to establish and implement a tangible plan that guarantees increased profitability, guides your growth, and plans for a future exit. Because building a highly profitable and sale-ready business creates a win-win scenario. That's more money now and a windfall when it's time to let go. And I want to share strategies that I've learned with you on today's Profit with a Plan podcast. But before we get started, I want to share with you a powerful training called the 30-Day Profit Booster. This is where I'll show you how you can get a 45% boost in net profit in just 30 days, simply by following a three-step method that doesn't require you chasing more customers. This quick and easy profit-boosting strategy can be done without spending more money on marketing, hiring additional staff, or working longer hours. Go check it out at 30dayprofitbooster.com. All right, so my guest on here for today, I'm really excited to have on, is Cherie Prince. She is an attorney and asset protection coach who teaches entrepreneurs how to merge their business plan with their estate plan to create a moat around their assets. For over a decade, she has taught, led, and counseled entrepreneurs at every phase of their business. Cherie has the keen ability to deliver uncommonly original and useful tools in a dynamic and engaging way. She brings our audience the experience of her asset protection, estate planning, and business planning. Her company is Play Big Faster, where she acts as an asset protector, combining business owners' personal and business assets for maximizing the protection. Cherie, I'm so excited to have you on Profit with a Plan today. Welcome. Marcia, thank you so much for the invitation. I'm excited about being here today. Yeah, this is this is great. Um, so I've had a lot of podcasts. Um, you know, we've been going uh, almost rolling into year number five right now, and it's been a little while since I've had someone come on and talk about protecting the business. And, you know, we're in such a crazy world right now where things are changing at a super high speed. And I thought it was just really, really important to have you on today to talk about asset protection. So uh, we'll get into that in a few minutes. But before we do that, how in the world did you come up with this fantastic idea of protecting your personal and your business assets combined together? Well, I'm going to give you the cliff notes version because I don't know <laughs> okay, that we have good. enough time for everything. Um <laughs> And I'm a little hoarse, excuse me, but I grew up on a 150 acre farm with my grandparents <clears throat> after my mother passed away. Oh. And well, 
it was sad. I was young. I was 16, but my mother passed away when she was 36 years old. Mm. And at the time we did not have an inheritance. She did not have a will or trust and there was no designation of guardianship. So I lived with a couple of different relatives before I landed at my grandparents' house. So through a series of hard knocks, I kind of grew to understand what not having a plan looked like. Fast forward, my grandparents passed away, both of them. They don't have a will or a trust. And this 150 acre farm that I grew up on, now it passes to their children. And so there was a huge squabble in the family. So that was, you know, my second inkling that, hey, you need to do something different. By the time that I was 21, I had my first business with a partner and we did it with a handshake and it was not the best experience. It ended terribly. So at this point, I'm knowing that one, I do not want to work for anyone. I do want to be an entrepreneur, but I want to do it the right way. And because I grew up without having a foundation and really understanding personal finance, investing and entrepreneurship, I wanted to become an expert. So that really started my path down this journey. Wow. You know, it's funny how the universe um, throws things at you to tell you what you need to focus on. Um, I have a similar story that led me to the direction I'm in, which is really interesting that, you know, sadly, these these things happen. But I think the worst thing is that people don't realize it until it's too late, that they could have done things that if they had just known about it, then they could have addressed it beforehand. And and that's why I'm so excited to have you on today. As people come towards the end of the year, you know, this is, you can listen to this anytime, but, you know, as we're winding down 2023, these are really important things to think about. What did the last few years mean to me? And what do I want to go forward? And how do I move into that place in the right in the right legal structure, the right protection, and making sure that my business, when it grows and grows really hard, that it's done in the right way. Exactly. So I tell people, you have to start with the personal side first. You have to have a basic understanding of personal finance and what that looks like. So I generally start people with the three eyes. One, we identify all of your assets. And I know it seems very simple, but who actually has a list of all of their assets sitting around at home on a spreadsheet or a sheet of paper? You usually just don't do it. You purchase stuff, you put it in the garage or home, wherever it's designated, but it's really important to identify those assets. Mm. Second thing, we inventory those. We just make a list. What's personal? What's business? And a lot of times, if you're working with solopreneurs or um, sole proprietors, you may have things that you that you purchase in your personal name because you may have good personal credit and you do not have an established business credit history, but you're using these assets in your business. Mm. So the third thing that we do- Commingling, commingling, that's a scary word. Yes. Very, very scary. (laughs) So um, the third thing that we do is we improve the classification. Mm -hmm. So by improving the classification, if it's meant for business, we find a way to move it over to the business column or to the personal column. And we also adjust your insurance coverage and we look at what structures those assets need to be held in. Wow. 
So listeners, this was a huge bomb right here that that uh, Sheree just dropped down for us because we don't think, especially in the smaller space or starting up space that, oh, well, I, you know, I'm the business. So that's my asset. I use my car for, you know, driving to client meetings, customer reviews. I use my truck for delivery, but to designate it and separate it so you're not commingling it is gigantic for the success and the protection of your personal assets from anything that could happen in your business life, right? Exactly. Which, uh, it's it's mind-boggling how many of us commingle. Well, and it's easy to do, especially if mm. you're getting started out. And you, you, know, you may be the best widget maker in your county. <laughs> and so you're great at making widgets, but you may not be as good at business. So you kind of neglect those things. Mm-hmm. You're just focused on, you know, producing as many widgets as possible during the course of the day. So I tell people that building a business is like raising children. It takes a village. And (laughs) yeah, who's your village? Do you have an insurance agent that you're currently working with? You probably do. What about Mm -hmm. a banker, financial Mm -hmm. advisor, or, you know, a financial coach? And also having an attorney. And depending on the type of business, it may be more than one type of attorney. So, um, you know, I tell people rally the team and talk to your village on a regular basis. Treat it like a wellness check. You know, once a year you're getting, you know, your checkup, you're checking your cholesterol, your blood pressure, your weight. Do the same thing with your business. Wow. Another really good gem, because a lot of times people go, well, I don't need an attorney yet. And then they go to the attorney when they need them. And it's often too late at that time, because now you have to hunt down an attorney in a in a fretful moment and then in, disclose everything about your business or your personal life to that attorney and then expect the attorney to perform correctly on your behalf. I think that When we have these advisors on our team early, you and you don't have to it's it's not like you have to keep them on retainer and and have, you know, large employees on your team. But if you visit an attorney once or twice a year on a regular basis, you could head off any problems that occur. And then when a problem does occur, the attorney or the banker or the insurance person or the financial advisor, they already know you. And therefore they can act quickly and you don't have to spend all that money and time trying to develop a relationship with them so they can solve your problem when all you need is your problem solved. And that right there is a mic drop moment. I mean, literally, <laughs> it's it's relationships. And just like any other relationship that you have, you know, you have to work at it. You have to build it. You have to maintain it. So mm-hmm. it may be that you only, you know, talk to them once a year, which I advise at least twice a year in a formal setting. But sometimes, you know, you can take that banker or insurance agent just out for coffee and pick their brain about your business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it, it really helps. A thousand percent. It's a super, super, super valuable um partner. And I love the way you called it a village. It's to raise the business like it's because it, a lot of us think of our business as our baby, right? You right. know, I've had to have those conversations a few times about what you got to, what you got to kill in your baby to, to make it to grow. So <laughs> it's funny that you, you called it that it's great on it. Okay. So you told us about the, the three eyes that were really valuable. So you're going to, you're going to identify, you're going to inventory, and then you're going to, what was the third one again? Improve the classification. 
improve the classification. Great. Love these little, the, and this makes it super easy to remember. So mm -hmm. I love that you put it in, in, in this way. Okay. So now that we've done and we've identified, this was on the personal side though, right? Do we do Definitely. this on the business side? Well, before you move forward on the business side, once you've done this exercise, um, I'm going to borrow something from Stephen Covey. Begin with the end in mind. And so you talked about exits. Anytime you're looking to start a business, you need to think about how would I exit the business? Day and one. <laughs> day one, yeah. How am I going to exit this business? And so some people restrict exiting to I'm going to sell the business. Mm -hmm. But an exit could be a bankruptcy, a mm -hmm. reorganization. That's mm -hmm. a different type of exit. Depending on your structure, if you're a sole proprietor, it could be the dissolution of a marriage. If it's a partnership, it could be the dissolution of a partnership. So there are so many different ways to exit a business. And if you're looking at it, think about people that start their business with their, if they empty out their 401k or their retirement. So now you've taken all the money from your W-2 job during your lifetime, you're an entrepreneur. So if something were to happen to the business, you no longer have that safety net. So mm -hmm. what does my exit look like so that I can at least have a comfortable retirement? So those are the different things that we look at first. Um, and sometimes it's hard to think about because you're just trying to get into business. So that's the second thing that you do. But the very first thing you do as it relates to the business goals. I love it. I love it. You know, that is very common. And I I usually say it's... Uh, when, you know, when you have your business, you know, you put your blood, sweat, tears, nights, weekends, most of your savings and a lot yes. of your, you know, payroll into this business. And how do you recoup that when you exit? Um, I, I, it, they don't realize that they've invested so much of their time, energy and effort. And you're not going to get dollar for dollar on it, but you still want to recoup some of that money to get it back. So having that plan when you come in, especially if you're having like a partner, and as you said, your your first business was on a handshake. Oh my goodness, talk about the potential trouble that could happen when you go into business or merge with somebody else that not mm -hmm. having really solid planning in place for how do we end it? Yes, and really that first business was an LLC. Mm. And it's a simple thing to do would have been to start with the operating agreement. We did not even have that. And at the point that we looked to dissolve the business, we did hire an attorney, but by that point it's too late. Mm -hmm. um, so I learned a lot of lessons and my clients benefit greatly from all those lessons. <laughs> like oh, I can tell absolutely. you what not to do, definitely what not to do. From experience, right? <laughs> <laughs> Great. Okay. So then these are, these are really great lessons that I think folks aren't thinking about. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's never too late to get started. Even if you've been in business for 10, 15, 20 years, and you didn't do it when you start, it's okay to put a, a timestamp on, on the business now and, and run it from here going forward in the correct manner, right? Definitely. One thing that you'll find, especially if your business is successful, um, that once a year checkup, what I do as part of working with different teams, 
I have gained such valuable insights from accountants. And, you know, say, for instance, your business is grossing $100,000 a year, and now you're $200,000, $250,000. Well, you have different thresholds for how you're taxed um, with the IRS. And mm-hmm. once you reach those certain thresholds, it may be advantageous to open up different types of ancillary or complementary companies to service what you're already doing. So most entrepreneurs, if you start at a certain dollar amount, I tell you, let's do a three entity structure. And so what the three entity structure looks like, it's a blueprint. You have like the very top, depending on the type of estate plan you have, you may have a will based estate plan or a trust based estate plan, but that's like the roof to your house and how we start. And that entity, which is a personal entity, will own all of your business interest. What does that do? It provides protection from creditors, um, legacy planning, and depending on how you set it up, it could make you look judgment proof. So you have your will, your trust, and right under there, you would likely have a holding company. Now, the holding company, by definition, does nothing but actually hold your assets. So if you're sued and that company does not provide services, they can't get to your assets. It's the operating company, which may be your widget company, the one you make widgets from, that actually go to the public, that we make look judgment proof. So by putting these entities together, um, and it could be different entities, this is just one example, but by putting these together, we make you look judgment proof, we provide legacy planning, and also there are some tax savings in there as well. Ooh, three-way win, it sounds like. And I think, um, no, I know business owners don't think about this, and between you and me, there's not a lot of uh, legal advice that says we're going to create this level, this this three-way protection unit. And, and that's exactly what the corporation is designed to do is to protect, right? And, and so if you're protecting the company, then you're putting an outer layer with a holding company that protects the company. And it just gives you that even longer arm distance from your personal assets. That's incredibly intelligent and, and, and would be very helpful. But I think listeners are probably thinking, wow, that's a lot of work and probably very expensive to set up. Not really. How expensive is it to lose everything because you created the, I'm I'm so serious. I have a couple of clients and I'm going to give you one real life example. Um, it is a family that owned several different types of companies. And I'm just going to use some examples. I'm not going to actually say which companies they are, but imagine having a hair salon, a construction company, and maybe a car wash in one LLC. Okay. And one entity is sued. There's a judgment uh-huh. against that one I'm not entity, but that one company. Well, all three of those companies are held in one LLC. So the judgment is against the LLC. What does it do? It creates a judgment against all of those companies. So if you set it up the right way, it's really not that much more expensive because when you look at it, the only extra fees you really have, um, you have filing fees for the state, which normally are under a hundred, maybe $200, depending on the- a couple hundred bucks a, a year. Nothing to it. And so um, there may be some additional accounting fees because there's a different set of books to maintain. Mm -hmm. But we talk about the legal protections, the potential tax savings. Yeah, it's priceless. 
is really well, not only that, if one company is doing really well and the other company has to fold. So say, say the, say the hair salon folds, but the construction company is killing it. And the car wash has an injury because the, the car wash went crazy and, and hurt somebody's car. Well, then now everybody's, you know, intermingled and, oh my goodness, I can't imagine the headache that could occur that could have been avoided by a couple hundred dollars a year. Right. Well, and not only that, but all of those businesses, you know, could be considered with the exception of the construction company, cash-based businesses. Mm -hmm. And so you have an infinite amount of what you can earn. So we talked about supplemental companies. One example um, that I love to use is a nursing home. Mm. It used to be that when someone passed away at a nursing home and it was alleged that there was malpractice, you see these huge multi-million dollar judgments. Well, nursing homes and some other companies you know, got really smart. So now when you see ABC nursing home, there may be, that's the name on the building, but you have one company that owns the real estate Mm -hmm. and they are leasing the real estate to a operating company. That operating company does not have any employees. They are Mm -hmm. contracting all the doctors and nurses from a staffing company. There's another company that they're leasing vans and vehicles from for transport, because that's where a lot of accidents happen with transport. You have another company that all the equipment is being leased from. And then ABC Nursing Home is just that. It's IP. It's almost like a franchise. They're leasing that from an an IP LLC. Mm. So if you happen to sue that company, you're going to sue all those entities. And what you'll find when you're done, they're all judgment proof because where's the money for all of those? Well, there's a management agreement with another company. And then that money is going to a holding company. So... Yeah, there's so, a way. Yeah, it could be quite expensive to sue them and to even find out where the where the where the heartbeat is, right? <laughs> exactly. Wow. But it, if you're in a high risk industry or you are a public facing company and you're subject to lots of lawsuits, you know, strategies like that, they're called equity stripping. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I'd pay an extra hundred dollars, a couple of hundred dollars a year to protect my companies. Oh, heck yeah. Wow, we so you know, even even the everyday mom and pop companies, you know, the the law firms, right? The the accounting firms in the professional service world, the the plumber, the 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 gardener, you know, you still have chances, you know, to have things go wrong. And if you if you if you own even if you own a home, that's enough to say that you need to protect and have separate um, operating and, and, and corporations that, that protect one from the other. And I think it's so important. And you're giving us some really scary examples of how we need to do this. And like every business needs to do this, not just the big companies with lots of, you know, opportunity for risk. Well, one thing that people think about is that I'm going to throw insurance at it. I'm going to increase, you know, the amount of coverage that I have. And that's not always the answer Mm -hmm. because sometimes you become a target. If they know Mm -hmm. that ABC Nursing Home has a $10 million policy, that's going to be a lot more attractive. So one thing that I work with other people in your team on is giving you options for the minimum amount of mandated coverage for your state. So if your state only requires that you have half million dollar policies and you have a million dollar policy, well, there should be a difference in the amount of premium that you pay. Mm -hmm. 
So if I can show you, yeah, if I can show you how to set up a legal structure that's going to give you the same level of protection or greater, and you save the difference in the premium on a $500,000 policy versus a million dollar policy, you can put that money back into your business. So what does that do for your business? Maybe you need more marketing, you need more equipment, but you do not have to be overinsured. And most insurance agents, um, and I'm not going to say all, but how many insurance agents are going to tell you, oh, you have way too much insurance? They get paid by the policy and the amount of the policy. So yes, now we're not saying insurance is bad. We're just saying have the right amount of insurance for the protection that you need and then have corporate structures and pieces in place to give you the other protection that you need. Yes, that's really good. I didn't even think about adjusting and using the corporate structures as a protective barrier and limiting the amount of insurance that you need to carry so that somebody can't come after you for damages. They can only go up to the amount that it says, right? Exactly. But some of those things I would not even know if I were not on your team. Mm -hmm. And so don't just get a team. You need to introduce these people. You know, they need to be your business family because they're going to be working with you throughout the years to grow and scale your business. Love it. Really juicy stuff. Okay. So we've talked about now the personal side. We've talked about the intermingled side of the business and the personal side. Where let's kind of balance out the three swing here or the swing of the three sections here. Now, when we're looking at businesses, and I know you've talked about some of those, are there anything in particular we want to really look at inside of our business to make sure that we're protecting our business? So regardless of how long your business has been open, um, I start people with a decision tree Mm -hmm. and the decision tree goes a little like this. One is your business e-commerce or brick and mortar. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some people may have a brick and mortar location, but they may also have a strong online presence where people order stuff and you ship it out. Mm-hmm. That's going to dictate a lot of how we structure your plan. Um, the second thing is, is any part of your business that does any part of your business require anonymity? A good example, if you're Kim K., you want your name on everything because, you know, people love Kim Kardashian and whatever she puts in the name. Yeah. You're buying the name, but if you're a real estate investor or you have some other interest and you don't want everyone to know that you maybe own 25% of this real estate company or another company, you may require anonymity. So we look at States like Wyoming, Delaware, and Nevada. And so we put together a plan for anonymity that also meets your other needs. And so sometimes there are additional requirements depending on where you live and the type of business. Now, if you have a real estate business and you require anonymity, it's a little bit different because most real estate law follows the state that the real estate is actually sitting in. Mm -hmm. So those are the first two things that we look at. Interesting. Yeah. And if you've been in business for a while, We'd have to go back and look at your previous filings, make amendments. And I know it probably seems like a lot, but it's really not. I mean, it's something that's done very often um, and we do updates. So those are the primary considerations that we make. And if you are in business at all and you just have one entity, then I do kind of look at you strange. And we talk about that three structure entity. (laughs) uh, I love it. You look at them strange because they've missed the boat. And it's obvious, correct me if I'm wrong, it's obvious that they did not have advice 
with anybody outside of themselves if they only have one entity and they're running a business for a while, right? That means they didn't have legal, they didn't have financial, they didn't have uh, risk management, they didn't have banking relationships, they didn't have anybody to go in and go, have you thought about doing something different? <laughs> well, you know, I joke about it. The way that I structure things is one way to do it. I'm not mm -hmm. saying that that is the only way to do it because people have achieved success doing things in other ways. Sure. It's, it's just been my experience that it works. Um, and if you're consistent and you're, you know, you have those annual meetings and you build your team, that these strategies work for you. So, um, yes, definitely. I love, it. I love options. it. I love it. You've given us so many different ideas on things that, that, I know are not common knowledge out there. And what you're doing is definitely high level and probably the, you know, the rich and famous attorneys, you know, they may know these strategies and put it out, but us everyday business owners, right? We don't often have this kind of knowledge base or ideas to protect our business and our assets. So I'm so pleased that you're, you know, you're working with us, it, us everyday folks, rather than, you know, only, only dealing with the high end. And I'm sure you have both sides of the, of the customers out there, but um, you know, this is really valuable conversation for just everyday business owners trying to make it to, you know, multiple multi-million dollar businesses. And that's still small. And, and we don't, we don't look at this. We really don't. Like you said, we're just busy making our widgets. We've got this many widgets to make this month and sell. So that's my focus and everything else can go away. I'll find time for it tomorrow. Which well, is a mistake. One thing that I've done, um, ever since AI has been getting a boost, I said, <laughs> okay, how can I use AI to help my clients with their estate plan? And so what I've done is I put together a series of prompts and literally you can do a blueprint yourself free of cost. It just costs you time with these prompts. Um, and, you know, you basically give it inputs. My name is Cherie. I have a business. This is the type of business. I am X years old. I have so many children. And once you do the prompts, you ask, you know, chat GPT or whatever program you're using um, to give you certain information. It could be the list of documents you need to take to your accountant, to your attorney. Um, and it just it does a lot of free stuff for you. So it really makes the estate planning and business planning process a little less scary because now you at least have a baseline on what to ask your accountant when you oh, go. I love it. Yeah, because I love it. And it's know. and it's so trendy right now with all the chat GPT stuff out there. And you know, uh it's just such a hot topic. And if we can do a little bit ourselves, then that'll help us prepare when we knew we know we need to go and and meet with our with our team of advisors so that's uh that's really cool all right well we're definitely gonna uh, get these prompts right i would assume that you have a special link because i know i know we probably got a few more minutes to talk here but you just dropped this bomb so where can listeners find out about those uh chat gpt things and by the way listeners ChatGPT can really take you down a rabbit hole if you put the bad information. You know, it's like uh, garbage in is garbage out, right? So if you can put good quality prompts into ChatGPT, then it's going to search the web and all the possible documents out there to be able to give you the right information back. And as ChatGPT is 
been very popular, there's always that caveat that says, double check the results that come out. But as Cherie just said, it's a starting point. Yeah, it's just a tool. And every tool needs an operator. So you're the operator. Um, And it's just a starting point. Love it. Love it. All right. So where could we get something really cool like that? Those prompts? Definitely. So I host a regular monthly webinar, totally free, does not cost you a dime. It's called the Asset Protection Blueprint. And I actually take you through my entire decision tree for your business, whether you are brick and mortar or e-commerce. And at the end, I go over with you how to actually put those prompts in. And if you get bad results, I give you some examples on how to fix those results. And you leave with an actual checklist um, of what prompts to use and the types of advisors you may want to consider for your team. We go over the difference between a tax planner and a tax preparer, the difference Mm. between a financial advisor and a financial coach. And so there are other roles that are so important as well, um, the different types of attorneys you may need. Because, um, you know, if my heart hurts, my chest hurts, I'm not going to a doctor for my eyes or my ears. So we have questions so that when you actually go to an attorney, you have someone who's specializing in what you need, not a general practitioner. I'm not going to a personal injury attorney for my business needs. So we just (laughs) kind of help you do those things. Oh, that is so smart to be able to have those questions because I know it's confusing. Coming out of the financial services space for years, I was a financial planner and I took that knowledge and rolled it into business consulting. And so there are always questions uh, from the consumer as, do I have the right expert? And I love the way you described a money coach versus, you know, a financial planner, right? Or a financial coach, the, the, uh, the tax planner and the tax preparer, which are hugely different. One is forward looking and the other one is backwards looking. Exactly. And I think you need to, listeners, you need to have a base knowledge of, of who you need and why you need them. And then having these kind of questions to ask when you're interviewing that person um, to make sure that you've got the right person on your team. Because, you know, I love that's I love how we started this. It takes a village to raise a business. Well, I and you said, the, you said the right word, interviewing. You know, just because you happen upon a certain professional, you don't have to stay with that person. Mm-hmm. You need to interview these people because you're building a relationship, you're dating. Mm-hmm. So you're courting these people. Um, and if they can't answer your questions to your satisfaction, or if there's a question mark on their face when they're answering the questions, then you know you may not be in the right place. So it's okay to keep looking until you find somebody who can answer these questions. And I promise you, these are not very complicated questions, but they give you a baseline for any type of business. And and it's fantastic that you're giving us the list of those questions, because a lot of times people don't even know what to ask or what to expect the answer to be or, or the direction they need to go into. So there's, it's, they're just coming in blind thinking that, oh, well, John, John said that this guy was great. So John said, I have to go with what John said. When it's not necessarily right for your business, they may be an e-commerce expert and you're a brick and mortar or vice versa, or they may work international when you need someone in Nevada that understands Nevada laws versus, you know, just the random person there. So I love it. You're just a wealth, wealth, wealth of knowledge. So where can we find this monthly webinar, Sheree? 
Um, you can go to www.shereeprince.com forward slash AP Blueprint. And Sheree Prince is S-C-H-E-R-R-I-E-P-R-I-N-C-E. Right. And that'll all be in the podcast notes. So you'll have it there as well. So just look down into the into the notes for the show and you'll have the links and everything you can get in there. Um, wow. Whew. You know, you've opened a, coming out of financial services for gosh, I've been in financial services one way, shape or form for about 30 years. And you've opened my eyes to a couple of new little scenarios that I didn't think about. Right. So here, if you've got another expert that's going, huh, I didn't think about that, then that's telling you right there and then that these are super, super ideas to consider. And as the world changes and shifts, interest rates go up and down, laws change, chat GPT is introduced into the world. These are ever changing things, listeners, that you need to have the advice of professionals that have a thumb on the heartbeat of what's important to protect your business. And it sounds like Cherie's got her fingers in everything and knowing exactly what you need. And so talk about having an expert um, that's current and helpful and willing to share things. Um, I'd encourage you to go definitely grab that webinar for sure. All right. Well, go ahead. Oh no, I just said definitely. Yeah, no, this is this is just super, super, super helpful. And I'm just loving it. All right, listeners, I hope you found a couple of ideas that you could put into your business that will help you be more profitable and create that corporate veil, which is what it's called. It's a bubble that goes around your business and and making sure that you're protecting yourself from anything that could happen, whether somebody trips and stumbles on the steps out in front of your building to, you know, someone, you know, getting a finger cut when they open your envelope. I don't know. I mean, just make sure you're, you're looking at the options to protect yourself um, from, you know, the risks that occur with business. And I think that what a better way is, as Sherry says in the beginning is to put a, a moat around your personal and business assets so that way you can keep them and your family knows that it's it's there for you. So I love it. All right. Remember I shared with you in the beginning, how would you like to get a 45% boost in net profitability in just 30 days? Don't think it's possible. Of course it is, or I wouldn't be sharing it with you. Go check out my training called the 30-Day Profit Booster. This is a quick and easy profit boosting strategy that can be done without spending more money on marketing, hiring additional staff, or working longer hours. Go check it out at 30dayprofitbooster.com. Sheree and I would love to hear your feedback, your questions, give us a comments, tell us what your big nugget was, your big aha from listening to this podcast episode and what you're going to do about it, right? Because information is only as good as you can put an action step behind it. So put it in the comments and we'll be happy to respond and uh, and and help you, help you to achieve those goals. And while you're at it, please subscribe. Uh, you don't want to miss any future podcasts. And you can always catch Profit with a Plan on any of your favorite podcast players. And we're looking forward to more great profitable information on next week's show. So until then, make your plans and profit with them. Thank you.
you so very much, Sheree. This has been incredibly valuable. Thank you for having me.